Hello, and welcome to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast, where we discuss what it means to praise God even when it's difficult. My name is Tori. And my name is Mary. And we are your hosts. Come chat about faith and life with your new sisters in Christ and enjoy learning and growing alongside us. We are so glad you're here. We are so excited for today's episode because we have some very special guests with us. Tim Jamison and Grayson Dahl are two men that have been blessed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They both are laymen and their stories are both unique and powerful. Tim and Grayson have both prayed over Mary and I and are the men that we referenced during our fertility journey episode. So we are very excited um, to dive into this episode with them. And we will be discussing topics like what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, how they came to receive them, what gifts they specifically have, and just healing and miracle stories and so much more. So we're very excited to dive into all of that. But first, we wanted to share a couple of our current favorites. Yes, I will kick us off. My current favorite is are the Lululemon Ready to Rulu joggers. So Last year, I lived with Natalie um, for, while my husband was away on rotations, and she is a labor and delivery nurse, but part-time worked at works at Lululemon, and so she always knows the best things at Lululemon, like there's anything bad at Lululemon, but these joggers, I am telling you, if you own them or if you have seen them or felt them, they are the world's best the joggers ever. I can't even explain to you. If mine are clean, I am wearing them. Like no joke. I just have a pair of black ones and I'm telling you, I need them in like every possible color because they are that good. They're very expensive for a pair of joggers, but I'm telling you they are so worth it. So that's my current favorite. Perfect for the winter. They're good for like fall walks too. And the springtime, honestly, I wear them all the all year round. All the time. I love it. I have to ask, are they bump friendly? Can you grow into them? Yeah. So I've been wearing them now. I'm 20, how 21 <laughs> weeks right now as we're recording this. And I feel like the last few days I've been like, Oh, I might need a bigger size. <laughs> so they have worked well up until this point, but I think it's about time to get a new size and I'm not afraid to do that. And I probably will do that. So awesome. that's I love them. Cause I don't think I could do the rest of my pregnancy without them. Truly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I know sometimes Amazon has like uh, knockoff versions of like Lululemon, but yeah. it sounds like these are just too, too good to be true. So it's have to check this out. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So my current favorite ha- is, bubble baths. Um, I had, I just took a bath like a couple days ago and it's been a long time since I've taken a bath. Our house is older and, um, we have one, one bathtub in the house. That's just a shower and tub. So if you've ever taken a bath in one of those types of shower tubs, it's not like the most relaxing just because it's not like a standalone tub. But I was in desperate need of just relaxing and having a bubble bath. And so I bought these um, like bubbles and, you know, bath salts and all of it. And it was just so 
relaxing. Like obviously it was a little snug (laughs) in the the tub, but it was at least an opportunity for me to just kind of unwind and enjoy the warm water and not feel rushed. So it brought me back to, um, you know, when I grew up, my grandparents actually had, or they do have a extension to my parents' house that we always called their, their apartment. And, um, in their bathroom, they have one of those jacuzzi tubs. And so growing up, I would always take bubble baths in those, in that tub and nothing compares now when, when you take a bath in a standard tub, but it kind of brought me back to that. And I, t- I always tell my husband in our next house, that's one of the things I need is a, a big bathtub. So I've been, I, I've only done it once um, in the past week and I haven't done it in a long time, but that's my current favorite. And I plan on taking many more baths this winter. <laughs> that is amazing. And that has inspired me to take a bath now because we also have just like the shower tub situation, but honestly, yeah. sometimes you just need a bath. You just yeah. need a bath. Yeah. And you can, you can make it, you can make it nice. You can light some candles, you can dim the lights, you can read a book. I played some music and you can just set, make your own, you can set your own stage for it. Exactly. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, so those are our current favorites. And so without further ado, we're going to just dive right into our episode with Tim and Grayson. Welcome to Tim and Grayson. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Um, So Tori and I recently shared our fertility journeys and healing stories during one of our earlier episodes this season. Um, And so we are just so excited to have you both on to share a little bit about your gifts and some of the healings and miracles that you've experienced. Um, So just kind of diving right in, we would love for each of you to just introduce yourself and also maybe go ahead and just share um, the story of how or when you knew that you had these gifts or received the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And like, if you asked for them or if they just showed up or how that all worked. So uh, maybe Tim, if you want to go first and then pass it to Grayson. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I guess it all starts way back about 40 years ago um, or 47 years ago when I was 10 years old. Um, I had a situation where my father was dying and um, I was praying obviously for him to um, recover from this cancer that he had. And there was a priest in our lower level of our house where my dad was in a hospital bed and he was talking about the gifts, obviously, of the Holy Spirit and charisms of the spirit. And so I went literally went up to bed and got on my knees outside the bed and um, I had a blue plastic rosary in my hand and I was praying the rosary for my dad to get well. Um, but I said, Lord, I believe that priests can't lie because I was obviously 10 and I believe everything you said. And so I would like the gifts of the Holy spirit. I like all the gifts of the Holy spirit. And I'd like them all right now, if you don't mind. And literally <clears throat> I, he took me at my word and I fell over to the left side of my body and on the floor. And, and I had the rosary still on my left hand. And, um, I started, everything happened at once. It was like a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I started speaking in tongues and started seeing things and started knowing things and um, prophecy and just all of the gifts at one time, which was really an overload at 10 years old. It's an overload at any age, but at 10 for sure. And um, long story short, uh, my dad did die. Uh, He died at 40 of lung cancer and brain cancer. Um, 
And uh, from that point, I was 14 when he died um, until I was about 25. I didn't leave the church, but I stopped going. And um, just because I felt so um, disappointed, you know, the deal was I'd pray the rosary, my dad would live and we'd all be good. But that didn't happen. And so I got married at 20. And at 25, we had our first child. And that's kind of what started bringing things back around. And lo and behold, I moved back to Iowa. And um, I formed a relationship with that same priest. His name is Father Lewis Graving um, from the Grotto of Redemption up in West Bend, Iowa. And I met with him once, a, a one day a month for 12 years. So I'd get up at like six in the morning, get there by eight, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, at that time, Father Graving was, um, he, he was in the Sioux City Diocese. And so he was exorcist for that diocese. He was also the head of the Marian community in the state of Iowa and also the head of the charismatic community. So he was very well-rounded being Catholic. And uh, so he started the walk with me and um, figuring out how to use these gifts and the strange things that are going through my mind. And, and uh, honestly, without him, I don't know where I'd be because when you have gifts, you need spiritual direction. That's all there's to it. You need somebody to walk with you, to journey with you, because there's so much doubt, you know, and the deceiver, all he wants to do is give you doubt, right? So you don't use your gifts because the gifts are clearly to build up the, the kingdom of God. They're, they're not for me. They're not for you. They're literally for us they're for all of us and to bring more, more of his children home. And um, father just had a very unique way of um, really becoming my father, my grandfather, my confessor, my spiritual director, and then grand, actually grandfather to my children. I have two boys that are both named after him, the middle names. And so, and then miracles just started happening. I mean, I was around him so much with him, literally hundreds of miracles with him and exorcisms. And so it, it that's where my um, spirituality and my theology came from was literally 12 years with him. And um, Grayson, I'll let you jump in here, bud. <laughs> no, that's so good. Um, my story, my story started just a little bit, um, a little bit later. I was baptized in the spirit, if you will. It's what baptism in the spirit is, is just a building off of the sacrament of, of baptism. And what Tim was saying, baptism in the spirit is just a renewal, a stirring of the graces um, and the gifts that we've received through our baptism. And um, so when I was, I remember when I was in fourth grade, um, I was sitting in the classroom and, you know, through our baptism, we received these gifts. And obviously when I was in fourth grade, I didn't, I didn't know this. Um, and so when I was sitting in the classroom, I would, I just realized my, like, I just, I saw the teacher. Um, and when I saw the teacher, I was like, I was almost reading her heart. Um, and I was like, I was knowing like what she was saying, or I was knowing what she was thinking, what she was feeling. And at a very young age, I was just like, okay, there's something different here. What is it? And so I felt very off when I was, when I, when I from a little boy, um, you know, I was 10 years old. Um, and like Tim said, for any age to receive these gifts in that, in that way, um, is, is pretty overwhelming and you can feel pretty isolated, um, when those gifts come on. And so I now like looking back on it and now knowing what it was, um, it makes a whole lot of sense. And so moving on from, you know, I didn't really actively, um, participate in the gifts, uh, until I was probably 
mm, it was fall of 19. And, and what happened was, um, so right now I'm 23. And at the time I, I went to a Steubenville conference. Uh, it was the summer be the summer of 18. And when I got there, I was asking the Lord, um, cause this was like when my reversion was starting to come around. And when I got to the conference, I said, Lord, okay, like you're gonna have to show up and you're gonna have to reveal yourself in a way. I have these desires and there's things happening um, that I that I can't explain. I have these intense desires um, to see people be made well. I have these intense desires um, to know you and to know you on a very personal level. And so I, I get to the last day, first day of the conference, so dry, probably the driest prayer I've ever had in my life. And uh, it was horrible. And I was, and I was ticked off. I was peeved. And, um, you know, first day, first day goes by, second day goes by, same thing. Third day, it's Sunday. And, you know, we're only there for a half day. We're only there until noon. And I'm like, okay, Lord, it's crunch time, like home stretch. And, and so I wake up that morning, we have, uh, gosh, I think I, I can't remember who the speaker was, but she, um, she was talking about at the end of her talk, she was talking about this kid who had a reversion, who was praying over people in a burrito shop and people were being healed. (laughs) And I'm like, this kid, this kid, I, what does he have that I don't have? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want this. And there's just like intense desire came over me. And I'm like, is, is she legit? Like, can this really happen? Like you speaking in Jesus name and people be made well. Um, and so I asked myself this question. I'm like, if this is true, I want it. And so I walked out in this woman. Um, I walked out to go get some fresh air and this woman, as I'm walking back in, it was aggressive. She grabs me by the shoulder and just whips me around. And she's like, I need to talk to you right now. Come follow me. I'm like, okay, like I'm coming. And, um, I go out to the hallway and, and she's like Friday, the day you got there. And later to find out as after I followed up with her, um, she had the gift of reading of souls. And she, she, she looked at me and she said, Grayson, when you were praying Friday night, she said, you were glowing. There was a radiance coming forth from me. And I'm like, what do you mean I was glowing? Like, I've never heard of this before. I'm like, you're crazy. Like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? What do you like? Was I physically glowing? Like, are you just making this up? Are you trying to flirt with me? Are you trying to get me to ask you on a date? You know, like all these things are going through my mind. And, um, I go back in and the, the celebration of the mass was, was so beautiful. And after that, I got back home and started having just like profound encounters, um, with the Lord and on my way up to Benedictine. And I have, you know, I've been all over the place. I trained with the military special operations team for six months, um, air force pararescue when the Lord called me to fight in, in a more real battle, um, the battle against flesh and blood, not against principalities. And he was, and he wasn't kidding. Um, it's, it's so real. And so on my way up to, so I left that. Um, and then I went up to Benedictine and on my way up to Benedictine kind of this, um, Tim was talking about like how father Lewis Graven was kind of, was his mentor and, and his spiritual director. Well, as I was driving up to, um, to Benedictine, somehow a meeting got set up between Tim and I, I had no idea who this man was. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect, what to walk in there. I was walking, I walked in with my, with my previous girlfriend, with my family. And then it was just us at the table and all, <laughs> and then all he's laughing because he knows exactly what happened. So we sat down at the table and I knew I had a calling on my life. I knew that I was made for more. I knew that the Christianity that I saw 
wasn't, wasn't what the Lord was calling me to live out, that there was something more. Um, because when I, when I was a boy, I walked into the, I walked into the churches and I saw gravestones in the pews. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, there's so much more like, this is not my God. My God is alive. He is vibrant. He is active and he is animated and he is love. Like, so anyways, I go, I go and I sit down with this, with, with Tim and I share with him these desires on my heart. And, um, (laughs) he prays over me and, oh my goodness, I was just, I was just contemplating this the other day and it was overwhelming. And I was, what happened was every single desire, every single yearning, every single word that I, that I received. Cause I would sit in bars. Like I would do when, when I was in uh, the party scene, I would sit at the bar and the Lord would start speaking for the people in the bar. And I'm like, Lord, you're not supposed to be speaking right now. I'm actually supposed to be avoiding you. And, um, and so all of these things made sense. And when he prayed over me, I received every single gift. Like we, we have these gifts through our baptism, but some of us have a greater anointing in these gifts. And what happened was that these gifts, it was like in Acts when it is, Acts 1 8, it says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive dunamis. It is. And it's the Greek word. So, like that Greek word, the root of it is the root word we get for dynamite in our English language. And so it's like you receive power. And I literally, like, and it was explosion of these gifts um, where I started simultaneously. And Tim will tell you this. This has never happened before. And even for him, we simultaneously started, started praying in tongues in the same language at the same time simultaneously and it was just like whoa i received the gift of healing um prophecy wisdom like all the gifts of the holy spirit reading hearts just like um you could go on and on and gifts we don't even know about we don't know about all the gifts um and then after that things start like i got to benedictine and things started happening um that 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 girlfriend was was no more um <laughs> <laughs> i literally left dropped everything i stripped my whole life down and I said, Lord, I don't want to hold on to anything. I literally want you. And that's it. Um, because this life that you're inviting me into is better than the life that I've been living. And I, and I tasted it that day at the table with Tim. Um, and so it's so beautiful. Um, and now it, it's, it's been two and a half years. Um, and we've been, the Lord's done some pretty, pretty beautiful things. Um, pretty amazing things. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbled by it. Um, cause Tim and I were talking, um, previously, it's just, we're, we're tools, um, we're tools. He prefers clean ones. Um, but he'll use a dirty one as, um, as Tim will, you'll, you'll hear him say this. Um, and so I'm just a tool. Um, that's all we are is tools, um, vessels that are building up the body of Christ. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of, of, of where I've, where I've come from. Wow. I love it. And I love that you both have very unique and different stories, but mm-hmm. equally powerful, And I feel so blessed. And I know Mary does as well to have been able to encounter just the gifts that you have and seeing Jesus work through you and personally bless and heal myself, my family, our son. Um, It's truly, truly incredible. And I'm forever grateful for God utilizing you guys to do his works because you are doing incredible things. And I don't even know, like, I don't even know a little bit about what all you've done. So we're really excited to learn a little bit more. Um, and you guys both mentioned that when you receive the gifts, you instantly felt like an overwhelming sense of emotion and power and, and everything. And 
so what was your like initial response receiving everything and how long did it take you to open up to either your family, your spouse, your significant other, and even just feel confident enough to be like, okay, God, I recognize that you have given me these gifts and confident enough to like practice it. So Grayson, I'll, or yeah, Grayson, go ahead and and share a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I was, so I got to the point where I had already been running away from the Lord for about six years. Um, And so I was like, I was spiritually exhausted. I was spiritually dehydrated. I was spiritually malnourished. And so it was to the point where it was just like, okay, I'm either going to, I'm either going to give everything or else I'm not going to like, or I'm not going to give anything. And my parents, so like, as I was training for the military, my family's very military. And it was actually, this was the only pushback that I received from my, from my family was um, I was supposed to be leaving for the military. And, you know, they, they didn't understand what was going on in the beginning. Um, And I think the the only pushback I received was when I came back home for the first time. Um, But was really beautiful is I didn't even have to, I didn't really have to say anything. Um, my life said it all. Um, and my presence said it all because I carried the man, the first century Jew that their hearts longed for. And, and what happened is I went and I sat in the living room and this is so beautiful. I went and sat in the living room and, um, my, my third oldest brother and his wife, um, were going through some stuff and they were sitting across from me. And they were, they were a little bit distance away from the church. Um, and so what happened, I was sitting across from the, in the living room and just telling them what the Lord had been doing and, um, and just, just being in their presence. And all of a sudden, like they were, their eyes were just like set on me. And I'm like, what are you, what are you looking at? <laughs> you know, um, they saw something and I got a text message later that night. And this was the first encounter that my family really had with these, with these gifts is they, they saw the haze. Um, they literally saw a physical haze um, around me and I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, you know, I've never had that happen. And they, they said they went back home and they stared at each other for an hour and a half. And these are people that weren't praying at all. They were, but they ended up, I mean, they ended up praying that night. They ended up coming back. And, and so it's, what's really beautiful is that when one goes, usually the whole family goes. Um, when, when one person receives healing in the family, um, if they're open, usually the whole family receives healing, which is so beautiful. Um, and my family, um, I, can, I can confidently say that my whole family has been completely restored and completely healed through the working of the Lord in my life. Nothing that I did, but me just being docile and yielded to the grace that I've received. Um, there's just been healing grace that's flown into my family, marriages, um, marriages that have been healed, like completely healed. And he just does, he doesn't want just good. He wants great. Like he loves you the way that you are, the way that you are, but he, he loves you too much to leave you that way. Um, and, and so what happened was my, my, my brother's marriages they're I mean, they're just explosive. Um, and they're, now I have a little godson um, through this, through this um, full gift of self and this love that, that they've received from our Lord. Um, and so, sorry, I, I, what, what other part of the question were you asking? No, no, that. that's great. I kind of threw a lot of questions at you at once, but just when did you feel confident and, and yeah. comfortable yeah. Cheering and, and stepping into your gifts. Yeah. So honestly, I, I kind of just like, I kind of dove in. Um, and, and not everybody, not everybody's called to do that. Some people are like, you know, they go and they test the water, but I was like, I taste it. I'm like, 
I'm done. I'm jumping in. And so um, what, what that looked like was, I mean, I knew I had the gift of healing. And so the only way to, to test if you have the gift of healing is to pray over somebody. And so, you know, I would go about Benedictine's campus and people thought I was crazy. Um, and, you know, people still do think I'm crazy. And I, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a, where a Christian is a contradiction to the world and to society and to all of her beliefs. And so you, you just got to get used to it. Um, but not obviously being, being a weirdo. Um, so I would go around campus and, and, and pray with people. And I would call Tim and be like, Tim, like this, this happened today. Like, what do you think? He's like, yep. Like, keep going, keep going. Um, you're, you're developing and more and more things started happening. And so it was like that first initial, um, the quickest way to get over yourself is to make a gift of yourself. And I had to get over myself. <laughs> and, and that was probably cause I wouldn't come home usually, um, those first like six months until I prayed until I prayed for at least four or five people. Um, and, and not for the sense of like, I prayed for four or five people, but in my, in my journey for like my personal growth, I needed to grow in boldness and zeal for the gospel and be able to proclaim the gospel message to these people. Um, so I think that was like, I just did it. Um, and there's no like right way. There's no like formula. There's no like process that you can go about. It's if you, if you step out and you open yourself up to being used by the Lord, he's going to, he's going to take that little inch. And even if you make a mistake, he's going to take that mistake and that crack in the door and he's going to run a mile with it. Um, like I've seen, I've messed up so many times and, and the beautiful thing is that he's worked in all of it. Um, so yeah, I would say for me, it was, it wasn't just like X, Y equals Z. It was like taking a step in faith. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that's, that's part of my, part of my journey. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Tim, what about you? Well, it's a little different because I was only 10. <clears throat> so for the first um, 15 years after that, you know, I told my wife a little bit about it, but not, not enough to scare her off. <laughs> if you <will. laughs> She still said I do. So uh, <laughs> yeah, she just found out more as we progressed. And uh, so finally, when, by the time I was 25, we moved back to Iowa um, I just started um, spiritually growing more, you know, obviously with father and little by little, you know, these gifts develop, but I'll be honest, it wasn't until I was 50. So, I mean, literally, so from 25 to 50, it took me 25 years to get over myself. And what I mean by that is you don't want to stand out. You, if everybody has straight hair and you have curly, you want straight hair, right? You, you want to blend. You want to be seen as everybody else. No one wants to be different. And I always felt different, just like Grayson said. And because of that feeling different, I didn't want to be different. And so I, I lied to myself. I said, I didn't want to let people know because I didn't want them to persecute my children in school or in the playgrounds or whatever it may be. Um, but really, in all reality, it might be partially that. But the bigger portion, it was I was just a wuss. I, I didn't have, you know, I literally was. I didn't have the courage that I needed to stand out. And um, finally, nothing happened magically. But at 50, which was seven years ago, I'm 57. I just got tired of um, plastic people. And I had a desire for fleshy people. And I had a desire finally to step outside myself and 
Um, I knew the gifts weren't for me. You know, by this time I had had them for 40 years and I knew it wasn't, you know, to be kept in a closet for me. It was for others. And um, the first little girl um, somebody asked me to pray with, um, it's an incredible story, but um, she was in the NICU at Mercy here in Des Moines and she was born. Her real baptized name is truly miracle was her name or is her name. <clears throat> she was born without eyeballs. So she couldn't see. She was born with three different lung diseases. She was born without the aorta in her heart. She was born um, with missing a kidney. She was born club footed. I mean, just one thing after another, this little thing. She was three and a half months old. And so I went up to the NICU and I just, I couldn't pick her up because she was so little and it all tubes on her. So I just blessed her and made a sign of the cross with and prayed with her and, and prayed with mom and dad. And the next day they lifelighted her over to children's in Omaha. And when they landed, she opened her eyes. They took her in and did a full workup and the aorta that the pediatric oncologists were trying to figure out which blood vessel to take out of her leg. You know, it was perfect. It was in her heart and all the diseases were gone and kidneys showed up and they still, this is one thing I don't understand, but he's always keeping me on the edge. Um, they, she still had club feet, so they had to do a seat, but um, yeah. So it was just, and then it just launched into another one, you know, with brain cancer and blood cancer and bone cancer and, you know, another one and another one and another one. And before you know it, you know, literally there's just so many, you know, and um, our Lord is very specific with both Grace and and I that we don't keep track that we don't keep a number. We don't count his miracles. We don't count his healings because that's just what they are. They're not ours. They're his and being a tool. And when we know you're a tool, he can use anybody. Anybody's a tool. He just, we said our fiat, we said yes. And so he chooses to use us. Now, if I would have said no, he'd find another tool to use because he's not going to let his child go without. Um, So if we kept count spiritual pride would enter our souls and our hearts and the devil would manipulate that horribly. And so that's one thing that we have to be always on guard against is um, our pride and or humility. Beautiful. And so many things that we don't think about as people just watching you or receiving your healings, um, how you handle and deal with the responsibility of the Lord's gifts. Um, I'm sure the way that times is heavy, but obviously the Lord is, is assisting you in that. Um, so kind of transitioning a little bit here, if someone is listening right now and they have no idea what the gifts of the Holy spirit are, could you kind of explain maybe like some of them, um, the ones that you, I, cause Grayson, you said, you know, we don't even know all the gifts that we have. Could you kind of share maybe the gifts that you do know of, um, that you have and yeah, just kind of explain those to the listeners that may not know. Yeah. Um, so actually if you go to, um, if you go to, uh, first Corinthians 12 through 14, um, there's a, I mean, St. Paul gives an exhortation on the spiritual gifts to the, to the, to the city of Corinth, uh, because they were abusing the spiritual gifts. Um, and so you have the seven gifts of the Holy spirit and then you have the charisms. Um, and so, going in and, and, and looking at this, if you go to, I, I don't have my Bible in front of me right now, but first uh, Corinthians 14, um, 14, one, it says, make love your aim, 
and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Uh, make love your aim. There's, that's no mistake. And before 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians, obviously 13. And, and Paul gives his, ex, his beautiful, beautiful, beautiful exhortation on, on love. Um, and it's a whole chapter on love. But there's a reason he does this is because the spiritual gifts are a conduit in which Jesus's love is made manifest to the whole world. And so these gifts are just, people say love is the greatest gift. It's not a spiritual gift. Love, love is what flows through the gift is what flows through the gifts. And so the different spiritual gifts that, that we know of, I mean, there's so, there's so many, um, right now, you know, preaching, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, um, you can go into, I mean, there's a spiritual gift of writing, um, miracles, signs and wonders, um, prophecy, uh, wisdom. And I'll probably re- repeat some and Tim, you can jump into, um, but you can go through the whole list. If you, if you really want to, I can't list them. I don't have them all memorized. Um, <laughs> wisdom, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, understanding, piety, and fear of the Lord. Yes. And those are the seven gifts mm-hmm. of the Holy spirit. Um, and then you jump into, and there's, there's a few different exhortations um, that Paul gives on the gifts, but somebody that's like getting into these gifts, what, what really got me was, cause you have the, some people say, well, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I don't believe in the, you know, I don't operate in the gifts. I don't have these gifts. They're wrong. Uh, they're actually straight up wrong. They, they have these gifts. We all have gifts. Um, and St. Paul will say that the arm is no greater than the head and the, and the, and the arm is no greater than the leg. Like you, the body works in unison together. And so actually one who, one who works in one who works great miracles for their gifts actually re- relies on somebody who has the gift of teaching. Um, and one who has the gift of hospitality. That's actually a spiritual gift is a charism is, is a, is, is the gift of hospitality. Um, and so like we all, we all work in unison as a body. Um, and we have these gifts, like you have these gifts through your baptism, you've received the gifts of the Holy spirit and actually through confirmation, they're perfected And confirmation is not a graduation. It's actually a commissioning. Um, it's the, the catechism says it's a Pentecostal event. Um, meaning that like they're like the Holy spirit is coming and perfecting these gifts inside of you and sending you out not to go graduate and to sit in your basement, um, and watch TV. No, he's sending you out amongst the wolves. He's sending you out as lambs amongst wolves, like to operate in these gifts. And so one way, one way to like come across these gifts is you're probably already operating in the gifts and you just don't know it. Um, and so like what, one of the ways that I was taught when I first got into it was like, what, like what sets you alive? If you were to step in one of, one of the women gave this example, she says, if you step out of your car at night and it's late at night, you've had a long day, what in that moment would you get it like a second wind to like, what would you, what would set you alive in that moment? Would you be able to sit? If somebody came up and asked you um, a question, would you be able to counsel them for, for another 30 minutes and just become fully alive in that? Well, you might have the gift of counsel um, or you might have the gift of fortitude. You might have the gift of encouragement. Um, but these gifts, these gifts are, are made for everybody. Um, and what we don't realize is St. John Paul II said it best. He said, he said, the charismatic dimension and the institutional dimension are both co-essential to the life of the church. And there's three things that, 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 the, that the New Testament says not to prevent. And, and the word prevent means the, the way it's used is, to, is talking about what humans were doing to prevent what God was doing. 
And the three things is one, don't prevent the children. Don't prevent them from praying in tongues and don't prevent them from casting out demons. That these things are literally part of the life of the church. And if you look, if you go into church fathers and I've researched all of this, cause you know, you run into Tim and I'm like, well, I got to make sure this is legit. And, um, and I, and I did, I did all my research and, you know, I'm studying theology right now and, and just getting to dive into the rich history of, of the church and the church fathers, like St. Augustine was, I mean, he had people being raised from the dead in his parish, you know, like St. Jerome, um, St. Irenaeus of Leon. Like, if you want to go back to the writings, like this has been happening for so long, but the thing is, is we have just forgotten. The church has just forgotten. And this is so beautiful. That it's being reawakened. Um, so if you're a listener and you, you know, you, you, you're kind of like, wow, like I've been experiencing like this actually makes a lot of sense. Well, it's probably because the Lord's gifted you in that area and, and to develop these gifts is actually going to benefit the whole body. And so there needs to be a virtue in both the charismatic and the institutional dimension of the church. Um, Cause every, every healing, every deliverance that we've seen should point to the Eucharistic face of Jesus. It should point to the sacraments. Um, if it's not, we need to, we need to reevaluate because everything should point to the mass, to the Holy sacrifice, the mass, the greatest miracle that's taking place right now, you know? So they're not mutually exclusive. They're, they're one, um, within the body. Yeah. That's what I would say. I don't know if that helps. It does. That's really helpful. And I think, I mean, I even learned a little bit there. I, I don't know all the gifts and, um, it's definitely interesting to kind of hear your perspective on that, especially coming from someone who has received some, Shifting gears a bit, Tim, I have experienced you walking into a room and I know you've mentioned this before, but walking into a room and just knowing certain things about people, whether that's, you might know if someone is dealing with a demon or multiple demons, if they're experiencing pain or sickness, or maybe something from their past tragedy, whatever it is, can you touch on that a little bit and kind of explain how some of these encounters work? Sure. <clears throat> it's a little bit difficult because it's something that you learn on the way, you know, but it, what happens in the beginning is that you'll first start sensing warm and cold. So you'll walk into a room and you'll notice that certain parts of the room are warmer than others. And, and if there's something evil, it's very cold. So warm associates with obviously good and God and cold associates with the devil. And uh, so then you start noticing that you're starting to pick up the difference in temperature actually in people. So not just the room anymore or the house or whatever it may be, but now it's the people. And then it goes on from there. Well, then all of a sudden you just, it's not that, you know, sometimes now I see things in people, but a lot of times it's, a, I just, I have a note today. I was with somebody and, um, and I knew that he had not forgiven that there was a trauma in his past. And I didn't know what the trauma was, but I knew it had to do with two people other than him. And of course, lo and behold, his wife had an affair and um, he had never forgiven her or this guy. And, you know, and our Lord can use that dirty tool, but he prefers it to be cleaned, like Grayson said earlier, right? And in fact, the Lord said a scalpel, a dirty scalpel versus a clean one. And, uh, but I'll use either. So he can use it, um, but he'd prefer more graces flow through you and through this tool 
if it can stay in a state of reverence, a state of holiness, a state of grace. And um, so that's why before like this healing service we do, we'll both, you know, fast and we'll pray and we'll go to reconciliation that day so that we prepare our tool ourselves as best as possible, not for us, but for others so that he can work through us without any hindrance, you know? And so I'll sit with people and I just know things about them. Um, you know, I, I will sometimes the Lord will just tell me if they have a porn addiction or if they've had a, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever addiction it may be, or the, a lot of times anymore, it's trauma. It's some type of sexual abuse or physical abuse or, you know, verbal abuse or, you know, whatever it may be, or a loss of a sibling or a, especially if the sibling would be like, um, say a twin or a parent. And um, there's just a lot of stuff in that, in this dimension that we don't understand the spiritual dimension that, you know, God put this all together and we're just simple humans. And we're trying to do our best here in this temporary world, getting prepared for the permanent world. And we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to become better. We're all trying to grow in holiness and sanctity. And, and he wants not just grace and not, he wants all of us. He wants the two of you and everybody else. You're doing your parts by this podcast, right? That's the difference is that everybody's called to something different. We can't all do the same. We can't all have podcasts, right? We all have to do something different. So we have to find out what God is calling you to. You know, the reason you're doing this podcast is both of you had a feeling, an urge, I'm sure, or a, I don't know this, but a, a calling or a reckoning to do this, you know, and that's why you followed up. Same thing with us. Ours is just different. It's in the area of healing or deliverance. And as the years go on, the deliverance side you know, for the last five, six, seven years, five years, for sure, it's been mostly healings. And then in the last two years, the deliverance side has just incredibly, incredibly grown. And uh, there are so many people walking around unbeknownst to them with demons, you know, and it's from, you know, they don't do it willing. It's mostly it's unintentional. They're surfing on, surfing on a website. And before you know it, they're in porn, or if they're surfing on something, and they're before they know it, they're in something that they shouldn't be in, you know, and these are just doors that open into our souls. And we attach these little Klingons and um, they don't possess us. They're not, we don't need an exorcism, but they do attach to us and they alter the way we think. They alter our decisions. They alter the way we live. And after so much time, they grow and uh, they affect us. And that's why we need to be have a deliverance is to get rid of something that is evil, trying us to cause more evil. So along those lines, Tim, then if you walk into a room and maybe sense some someone is very cold and they may be carrying some demons, do they need to be the one who is seeking healing? Or is it something where like Grace and you and Tim could maybe approach that person and rid them of those demons do does it need to be self like do they need to recognize that they they have to want it they, they have, have to want it yeah um the only case that's different than that is a true exorcism where obviously only a priest can do an exorcism right and um what happens in an exorcism what's different is that their body is complete and their mind is completely possessed right so they can't you know, the easiest way to get rid of a demon is to get them to uh, the sacrament of reconciliation because it's stronger than exorcism. But no one who's possessed is going to end up going to a confessional. They just won't. Mm -hmm. So that's where the, the priests have to bring in you know, the exorcism, the rite of exorcism. And there's an old fashioned rite and there's a newer rite. And um, both of them work. Um, 
but it's that is when um, you don't have to have a willing partner. Um, mm-hmm. But on deliverances, they have to want to be just like alcoholism or drug addiction or porn addiction. You have to want to quit. You have to want to get help. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Um, and kind of with like those healings, I know you've mentioned some kind of crazy things have happened to bring you the relics that you bring to the healings. Um, so Tori mentioned it when she talked about her healing, uh, experience on our previous episode. And I also mentioned it. Um, we talked a little bit about the, the relic of the cross as well as the oil, um, Tim that you brought. And so we would love for you to just kind of explain those, like Tori has explained to me how you obtained them, but, Uh, I think it'd be a really cool thing for our listeners to learn. So how you obtained them, the significance of each of them, um, and I guess the importance and the role that they play in the healings that you perform. Sure. Well, first of all, let's set the record straight. The um, relics are not magic. They do not heal. Um, A relic um, is nothing more than a piece or a part. So first, there's a first, a second, and a third degree relic in the Catholic Church. The first degree relic is something of the passion, death, resurrection of Christ and or a part of a saint. So a saint's hair, a saint's bone, a saint's um, some part of their body. And then the second class relic is something that a saint used. It'd be a saint Monica's dress or, you know, saint um, Augustine's um, vestments or his breviary, something that they use. That's a second. And then a third class relic is just any sacramental, a rosary, a cross, um, a wedding ring is a sacramental um, because of the sacrament of wedding. And then you touch that to a first class relic and it becomes a third class relic in the church whereby nothing but grace flows through them. So it's not magic. It's literally just grace that flows. But with certain relics, a lot of times these saints like to introduce themselves, we say to you, um, when we use these relics. And so they want you to get to know who the saint is. They want you to research the saint. Um, There's a reason for it in the future. We just don't know what it is. Um, So so, uh, many of the healings, happened way before the relics, um, and they happened way before the oil. So God, to make it clear, God, our Lord, is the one who does the healing. It has nothing to do with the oil or the relic, but it does increase grace. And um, so I have a relic of the true cross, which is actually a piece of wood, um, two actually splinters of wood that came off of our Lord's cross. Um, It was a gift to me by a stranger, and um, it um, I had it... um, back dated and everything to make sure that it was real and authentic, uh, make it authentic, authenticity. There we go. And um, it was, they had the right wax. It had the right seal. It had the right date. It had the right cord. And so it is real. And then it comes with the actual original um, date and information that's all in Latin. It was made for an archbishop of Milan, Italy, originally in 1947 as a special gift to him from the Vatican. Somehow it made it through this gentleman's family and it got to America and somebody um, literally <laughs> knocked at my door and said, um, I have something I'm supposed to give to you that you'll do more with it than I could in a lifetime. And he turned to left and it was in a, there's a grocery store in our town called Hy-Vee. It's a small local chain and it was in a Hy-Vee grocery bag. And sure enough, I took him to the kitchen and 
I I knew what because I have about I don't in my I have over here probably I don't know fifty or sixty relics of other saints here, but I didn't have one obviously. Um, so people give me relics. I don't know why, but they just do. And um, so I went to the door and the guy was gone. And uh, so that is the relic and the oil. Um, this is really cool because I actually saw this. Um, so Father Graving, going back to my spiritual first spiritual director. Um, every time that I would have mass with him at his house or at my house, so a private mass, every single time, the chalice, his chalice and his paten, the paten is where you put the host on, would, in the middle of mass, would, I know this sounds far-fetched, but it's the truth. Um, the best thing I can explain is what looks like to see a sparkler, the white sparkles of a sparkler at 4th of July, and the edge of the patent and the edge of the chalice would in the middle of the mass um, at the Eucharistic prayer would start sparkling like diamonds and would just sparkle. And when it sparkled, oil would flow down the sides of the chalice and also the sides of the patent. And the very first time that happened, my, it was actually at our house and my wife and my oldest daughter, she was three at the time were there at the table and was in our kitchen table. And, um, he said, I said, what is it, Father? And he said, go over my masket. There's a masket in the corner. I have a blue bonnet butter tub, plastic tub there. Go get that for me. So I did. And I opened it up and it smelled just beautifully. And this like oil. And he poured the oil out of the chalice and out of the um, patent into it. And just looked up and said, thank you, God. And continued with mass. So that after the first mass, I said, okay, what was that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're like are you gonna explain or what yeah. but this is just the way he was he was very matter of fact and he just said tim don't make this is what he said literally word for word don't make more of it than what it is he said i asked the lord to provide oil for me for all my you know for my blessed people and um and he said literally this this is the means by which he chose to deliver it to me and that's what it was and so i have a little bottle i mean little bottle of oil that he gave me about 25 years ago and it was about half full when he gave it to me and it's still half full. And I know I blessed well over 500 people with it. And uh, so I use, I use the oil uh, sometimes, not all the times. If I have it available, I use oil. And, I, and if I have the relic, I use a relic, but again, it's not the relic that has the power and it's not the oil that has the power. It's God that has the power, but he does use things, you know, and in the Bible, it's very clear about the first class relic, the second and the third, because if you read scripture, it talks about being thrown in. Um, I can't remember if it was Elijah or Elisha that was thrown into a grave and the body came back to life, you know, and there's just, you know, touching the hem of, of Jesus, you know, it's his garment, right? Not touching him. Obviously, that would be a second class relic. And, and uh, so there's evidence of it all the way through. And then these relics have been around literally since before Christ. I mean, it went, it was, this is back in Hebrew days, way, way back. And um, so it's, it's been a part of our faith for, you know, it's kind of like indulgences. We don't hear about them a lot, but they're still there. And we don't hear about relics, but they're still there. And they still have the same purpose. See, the thing you can't remember, you cannot forget this is that God does not change. There is no changing with God ever. So he's the exact same God. He was 3000 years ago, 2000 years ago. He does not change. And things that are permanent do not change. This world changes constantly, daily, it changes. So this is not the real world. This is not the permanent world. This is literally all temporal, very temporal. 
the real world is what we're hopefully going to get to, you know, in eternal life. And our eternal soul will hopefully reach eternal life. And that's the goal for everybody and your children. Yeah. Well, and it was wonderful to be able to experience some of those, well, the first class relic of the cross um, during our healing and, and the oil it was, and I can't even describe the the scent. It was so beautiful. Uh, I, I remember you saying before you blessed us that it smells great. And Tim, my husband, Tim, and I looked at each other after we're like, what was that? Never smelled that before. So it was a really um, incredible experience. I appreciate you letting us share in that. Grayson, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your work and your speaking engagements around pornography. I know that this is something that you are passionate about and have spoken to teenagers about, even adults about. And Mary and I discussed in one of our episodes, cell phone addiction, like our entire episode was Mm -hmm. on cell phone addiction. And we spoke briefly on just how our phones can unlock many temptations, including leading to pornography. So as you know, this is a topic and something that a lot of people have access to. And I think a lot of people just have become immune to it or have just categorized it as normal or expected. So what are some things that you discuss when you're talking with people or maybe some important things that people might not know about pornography? Yeah. So the first thing I love, I love, I love to do when I, when I go in and talk to these, especially these young men, um, and it's not just a man's problem. It's, it's, it's a men and women's problem. And the, so any women listening, I'm, I'm not excluding you on this, but um, most of my speaking is, is mostly to young men. And what I love to do is address the topic as, and, and come into it as a war. Um, because what is good, true, and beautiful is the only thing that's going to be attacked by the enemy. Um, and as we see these young, these young men, um, these young men are being attacked by the enemy, by, by society. Um, society is trying to make men women and women men. And the reality is behind all of this, and this is just like, I'm not going to speak anything elaborate here. I'm going to speak truth because what, what has been hidden in the dark for so long um, with these men has just been festering and, and there's been no light sh- uh, shown upon it. Um, one of the things that I, that I like to speak on is their desire. Um, every desire is deeply rooted in beauty and truth, but because of our fallenness, because of our fallenness, we have disordered desires. And so what I like to bring to light, like your guys, like these desires are good and holy and true. Your desire to give yourself to another fully, this is good, holy, and true. Um, and it actually points to a greater reality, a, not just a, an earthly reality, but that of a supernatural reality, not only union with another on earth, but union with the father in heaven, your sexual desires are good and they're holy and they're true. Um, and I, and I get to go through with them and, and, and just talk with them. Okay. Like what, what do I do with these things? Um, because nobody's been talking about this. Um, and as we see, this is our lady of Fatima. Um, she spoke very prophetically on this to the three children. She said that the final battle is going to be on the family and marriage. Um, and so what we're doing right now is, is we're raising up sons and we're teaching these, these young men how to be sons first, because you cannot be a good father unless you first, unless you are first a son. And, 
And so these, these young men, um, I've just seen so many radical transformations and it's like, why, why didn't nobody ever tell me this? And I go in there and my heart, like my heart is broke. My heart's broke when I go into these schools and, and these kids have been sitting, because this is what's happening is they're sitting in shame and, and they don't know what to do with it. And so they're sitting there. And I remember, because this is a, a very near and dear topic to, you know, to, to my story, to my heart. Um, cause I actually dealt with this growing up, I was addicted for eight years and it was actually the day that I met Tim, um, was when it actually just like, it's been over two and a half years, glory to God. Um, and, and it was through you fight, you fight desire with desire. Um, and what we're seeing in these, and it's, it's, this is the real pandemic. Um, and it's, we're seeing it in marriages now too, like with, with the, with the couples that we go in and talk to it, it started when they were younger and it's, it's, you know, the, the classic line is I'll stop when I'm married. Um, I'll, I'll give it up when I'm married, but what we're seeing right now is we're actually seeing the effects of, of their addiction as a boy come into their marriages. And we're seeing, um, I mean, the, the engagement, we just, we've had multiple engagements with couples that, I mean, imbalance in the bedroom is it is what's throwing the marriage off right now. It's what's throwing um, the whole balance in the, the harmony of the marriage off is the marital bed because it's so beautiful. It's so holy and it's so true. And we just went into a house the other day where, where this is exactly where the enemy was attacking was the marital bed. Um, and so we go over it with the relic and I, we go into the, we go into the marital bed, we go into the, to the room and we pray over the marital bed and we rebuke the, the evil demonic presences over this marital bed um, and over the couple. And so I think for, I mean, you could speak on so many different levels on this, but one to parents, it's time, you know, it's time to wake up. The enemy has been putting us to sleep in this and it's been sliding in the back door, you know, especially the iPhones too. It's like, I can't, I, I have to be like, I have to be careful, you know, like my iPhone is the noisiest thing that I have. And so when I, I don't bring, I try not to bring it into the chapel with me. Um, I try not to bring it into my bedroom with me. Um, because I know how noisy it is. And, and honestly, I, I don't want anything clouding and what's the word pushing out the voice of the Lord. Cause I think, I think if you, if you want to hear the voice of the Lord more clearly, put away your phone for three days, like set it down. And the phone, the phone is these parents are handing these, these kids, their, their phone at age seven, eight. Now, you know, they're, the kids are being exposed at such a younger age now. Um, and so the battle's just getting, it's getting more and more intense and the deliverance that we've had to do because of this, like these kids, I remember, I remember for me, I was bound when I was, when I was a senior in high school, I mean, I was so fearful and I was so unsure of myself. Um, and the enemy was, it was a direct line of access. I was talking with an exorcist. And he says, he said, no longer the Ouija board. He says, pornography is the new Ouija board. And, and it is a direct access point and an open, it's literally an open door for the enemy to come into these kids' lives um, and to start oppressing. And then it gets worse and worse. And so what we need to do is we need to close the door. But first we need to address the topic and the reality of our sexuality, because this, the marital union is probably, it is, it is one of the greatest and most beautiful gifts that we've been given by our Lord. And so what do you think he's going to attack? And what do you think he's going to try to do early on in these kids' lives? Is he going to try to attack them very young so that when they get to that point, it's just, I mean, it's bread and butter from there. Um, so we're trying to stop it. And it's, it's battle. We're, we're going in there and we're battling for souls and we're battling for the truth. And, but once these kids encounter the truth 
and the goodness of their bodies and the goodness of their sexuality, it's, it's so easy. It's not just don't do this. It's here's, here's what you're made for. Here's what your desires are pointing for. You're, you're made for so much more. And the enemy is most terrified that you would actually find out about this. And so this is, yeah, that I would say like, that's a, a short little tidbit of, of what we go in and do. And it's just not only that, but it's, it's so much bigger than just, yeah, it's so much bigger than we think. That episode that we talked about the phones, you basically said exactly what we were talking about, which is like, kids are exposed to it, whether they want to be or not so Mm -hmm. young. And it's so terrifying. And we know, like you said, it's, it's the devil that is doing this to them and to their parents and, and everyone. And so it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about like the battlefield and kind of it come full circle of like, we were just talking about this is how it happens. And you're talking about like, this is how it ends. And I think that's beautiful and uh, a beautiful, you know, notion for people to take away at least um, a start for sure. So, yeah. yeah. um, Okay. Can I jump in here? There's something that keeps popping in my mind. So I have a feeling he wants it to be said, Um, you know, everybody always says, well, how do you know? How do you know? Let me give you a really solid black and white ironclad example that everybody can do and everybody can remember. If something leads you towards God, it's always, always good. If something leads you away from God, it's always, always bad. So you look at porn, you know, is the cell phone bad? No, the cell phone's not bad. I look up saints. I look up, I Google all kinds of stuff in the Catholic church, right? So the phone itself in itself is not bad. It's what we do with the phone, right? That is bad. And it's how it can be used for that. So you ask yourself, whatever it may be, whatever comes along, you know, is this good or bad? Well, does it lead, whatever it is, does this lead me towards Christ or away from Christ? If it leads me towards Christ, it's always good. That's how easy it is to discern. If it leads me away from Christ, don't do it. Simply don't do it. That's how black and white it is. And people struggle with that. And if you really stop and break it down to that, it's so simple in that in that frame is that it's literally black and white. You know, I mean, the, the American Indians talk about the black and the white wolf. Right. And they say, be careful which one you feed for it will grow strong and devour the other one. That's what they're talking about is the angel and the devil. Right. The positive and negative. It's all about balance. The whole world is, you know, nature's a balance. And kind of going off that, Tim. Um, you know, he'll, he'll show, he'll show me things and he'll show Tim things. If we, all I'm saying is if we, if we truly saw, and this is like, I get emotional talking about it because like, this is like, this is just the reality of like what's going on. If you truly saw the men and women walking around, right, the younger men and women walking around right now, you would see that every single one of them has a deep wound and they're, and we're, we're, we're bleeding, we're wounded. Um, and a lot of these men, it's coming from, it's coming from father wounds. And like the, the wounds that we're seeing is, is one from pornography, one from the fatherless generation that we live in. Um, but man, man's greatest fear is his own inadequacies. And, and what pornography does is it makes man, well, it does a lot of things, but it makes man feel like he's in control. Um, and so these men, if, I mean, like truly, 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 if you saw, and like I walk around the streets and he'll show me the, the, these images and visions of these, 
of the people that I'm walking by and they're literally like, they're bleeding, they're wounded. Um, and it, it brings me, I'm like, Lord, like, why are you showing me this? He's like, if you saw the reality, not everything is as it seems. Not, and that's, I think that's probably one of the, one of the greatest lessons that I've, that I've learned and just like seeing these things and receiving these visions and receiving these, these words from, from our Lord is it's not everything is as it seems. And if we truly saw the reality of the, of the spiritual battlefield right now, you would, you would be, you would get on your knees and you wouldn't leave the chapel. You really wouldn't, you wouldn't leave. And, and our hearts would break. Um, our hearts would, we would be sobbing if we truly saw the brothers and sisters that are around us that are wounded, that are spiritually hungry and hungry and thirsty and spiritually wounded. And so I think there's a, there, there is a sense of urgency. There's, there is a very much so a sense of urgency because as soon as we downplay sin, we downplay missionary zeal, we downplay, um, you know, our, our urgency to, to get out there and to, and to use the gifts that we are talking about. You know what I mean? Um, and so these, these gifts is the church, the church was instilled into a middle of a war field to be a hospital in the midst of a war field. It's a, it's a spiritual hospital. Like we, we desire healing and like the church is meant to be this hospital where, where sinners, like the, the greatest evil is not a, a physical death, but a spiritual death, sin, sin is the greatest pandemic that we're like, you want to look at the death rates, like go, go, go. Go to the real pandemic. It's sin. It's sweeping across the world, and there's it's taking lives by the millions. I mean, Our Lady of Fatima said that more souls are going to hell than than the snowflakes on the earth, and the number one cause of it is because of sins of the flesh. It's because of because of lust of it's of sexual immorality. Um, and so this is, I think, what I want to tell people is that this is um, this is more real than you think. Um, and husbands, wives, like you, the the good Catholics, like this is something that. We're realizing like the like good Catholics are struggling with this. Priests are struggling with this. I would say, and this is just generous, like Tim, and, and I'm sure I'm sure I'm being too generous with this. You're gonna say a different number, but I'm like priests, 60% of priests are addicted to pornography. Um, seminarians that are going in, I would say night 90, 85, 90% are, are going in addicted to pornography. Um, and so it's it's not just the, the, the people that we would expect. It's those who we don't expect. And so we need to, we need to ask for the, we need to ask our Lord to give us his eyes, his vision, his mouth, his ears to, to see these things as they are so that we can pray um, and that we can be there for, for our brothers and sisters. So I think it's just, what I want to say is that this is a reality that not a lot of people are seeing. Yeah. What a powerful word. I feel like this is going to speak to, I mean, even if this speaks to one person, like, I know it will speak to many, but it's just, it's a powerful, beautiful word that I think we don't talk about enough. People are scared to talk about. Yeah. And so, um, hearing and where does fear come from, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right? It's like, yep. The devil yeah. himself. Yeah. Right. When Which, you mentioned the word um, yeah. dimensions or that I mentioned the word celestial beings, or I mentioned any of these things, everybody's hair kind of goes up in the back of their neck because they don't know it. They don't understand it. They don't want to know it. And, but the reality is, you know, you got to remember that God, the father does not have a body. God, the, the spirit does not have a body. The only part of the Trinity that has a body is Christ. And that's why so many people flock to him because they can relate because he had a body like we have a body. 
He was 100% human and 100% divine, right? And But so when God says, I have no hands but yours, I have no feet but yours, he's speaking literally. That is the Holy Spirit saying, I don't have hands. I don't have feet. I don't have a mouth. I need you. You are the vessel. You are the tool. You know, but I need your fiat. I need your yes. That's the reality, you know, and we do live in these different dimensions and they are celestial beings. And, you know, angels are true and they're real. And our guardian angels are always with us, you know, and it's just stuff that we don't talk about because we don't understand it. Mm -hmm. But just because we don't understand it doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. Right. It's the opposite, you know, but who would like us not to talk about that? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of the devil, I feel like um, something that I've spoken a little bit about on the podcast before is I personally have felt a great um, battle with the devil in this podcast and feeling like he does not want me here and he does not want me um, talking about God and my faith and all of these things. And I think the biggest thing that I've struggled with is skepticism of peers, basically. And so I think I would love to know the answer from both of you to this question, but with your gifts and the word of mouth that has spread from, you know, people being healed, the Holy Spirit healing through both of you and all of these different miracles that you've been a part of. How do you deal with the devil and the skeptics and criticism and maybe even those people who just think you're crazy? Like, how do you deal with that? Tim, you go first. Well, let me make a real blanketed statement. If you're not attracting the attention of the devil, you're not doing what God wants. And so many people are lukewarm and they don't attract the devil because they're not doing anything for the kingdom. But once you put your flag in the sand and the dirt and you say, I, yes, my fiat, I will, you're going to start attracting some attention and that is negative attention. And that should almost be a badge of honor. When the devil is attacking you, you should rejoice because you're doing something for God, the father, right? When you step out and you do a podcast, you should almost expect to be attacked because you're going to be right. Right. People, humans are naturally skeptics. Everybody is skeptical. So you should enter it with knowing that they're going to be skeptical and that's okay because that's what we are as humans. Um, But the reality of it is the more you get into it, you'll realize that it doesn't take much and they'll see the power of the Holy Spirit. They'll see the power of God. Grayson and I are under, we use these spiritual prayers of protection every day. And it was given to me by my current spiritual director, which is Father John Ricardo. And um, and this these prayers were written by an ex-witch. Yes, I did say witch. Um, and <laughs> she was involved with Black Masses and the whole ball of wax. And she's now a Catholic, and she works with an exorcist team out of Detroit. And so she was involved for, I don't know, seven or 10 years on that side of the fence. So she understands it completely better than any of us. So she wrote these prayers. And one of the prayers is actually to Satan. And we address them out loud. We say this prayer out loud. And then the second prayer is a canopy protection prayer that we pay 
pray to our Lord to protect us. If we, in our line of work, if we do not protect ourselves, it's like taking a spiritual shower afterwards, after dealing with demons, we're just asking for trouble. We're asking to be physically, I mean, we're asking to be attacked. Grayson and I both know of times when we forgot <laughs> and horrible things have happened. I mean, really horrible. Um, a few months ago, I forgot one day and, and I, I gave our Lord five yeses, meaning things, people asked me to do things and to give talks or to go places, whatever. Five times I said, yes, I could feel the devil just getting more and more mad. And by the end of the day, and I know this stuff is hard to believe, but I was in my office and there was no one there. My door was locked. I had just finished a zoom and I felt a hand hit my chest, like literally right here and shoved me. And I was on a chair that had wheels and it hit my head on a credenza and I got knocked out. When I came to, I woke up and I had two broken ribs and I had a concussion in my head with a big side to go to the hospital and, you know, find out what it was. So every time I sneezed or coughed for the next two months, it reminded me of forgetting to say my prayers. <laughs> wow. Why don't you tell uh, me yours, Grayson? Yeah. When it, I, it was when I was coming back from Des Moines and we had an amazing weekend, the Lord was just. Oh my goodness. I was on, I was actually on the phone. I was talking to one of my good friends who's a focused missionary out in New York. And I was telling him about just what the Lord was doing and just testifying to the breakthrough that was happening. And, and I was leaving Tim's house and, and I forgot. And I was on my way home to Benedictine. I was in a two lane, uh, a two lane interstate going down. And all of a sudden I'm on the phone and over the hill. I was just coming over the hill and coming over the hill was this red, was this red little van. And it was coming at me in the left lane of the wrong direction. And I had like one second, literally one second to swerve out of the way and miss this car, you know, coincidence, like maybe, but this is just what the enemy does as he can actually put physical roadblocks and actually try to take you out. And this is not usually probably the reaction of most, but because I know that <laughs> you're attacked by the enemy. That is actually affirmation that you're doing his will. I mean, it took a second. I'm like, I literally just about died. And then five seconds later, I started rejoicing, you know, and that's like crazy, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, like he doesn't, he, he really doesn't like me that much. And so I know for a fact that I'm doing his will. And it was, it was probably the, honestly, the, the biggest affirmation I've ever gotten um, was that I, I take the enemy off that much um, with this, with this work that I've chosen to do for the Lord. Um, so it was, it was really beautiful. I almost, I mean, I almost died that day. And ever since then, I don't think I've, I think maybe one day I, I've, I've maybe forgotten one day. Um, but one of the things on the, on the, on the enemy, he doesn't attack. He doesn't attack those who are asleep. He attacks the ones who have the, possibility of waking up those who are around them. And so what, what we see is like, okay, like, so you're asleep and we see these people spiritually waking up and, and what the enemy will do, he'll, he'll come over and he'll be like, no, 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 no. It's, it's comfortable down there. Like, like you were, you were comfy down there. Like just stay down there a little bit longer. Like just go back to sleep. Everything's fine. You didn't hear anything. And he'll, and he'll gently put them back to sleep. Now the one who is up and like running around, it's like figured out, like I've been asleep for this long. He's, he's going to come at you. 
But the beautiful thing is, I mean, the, the enemy's on a leash. The enemy's on a leash. The Lord has him on a leash. And like the, these stories that we say, I know like the, the average listener would might be like, oh my gosh, I am, I'm not doing the father's will now because, because of the attacks right. to the enemy. Like, no way. No, 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 no. Our Lord has him on a leash and the Lord will never allow him to, to hurt. Like he will never allow the enemy to hurt you. And he will never extend that leash too long to where he gets you. I had a, I, what happens is, and this is just a reality. I woke up the other night and I'll, I'll see manifestations of demons in my room. And, and I woke up the other night and my mother, we're, we're on vacation. We we're going out to see my little brother. It was going to be an awesome vacation. And what the Lord said he wanted, he spoke very clearly. He said that he wanted to bring peace um, to our family and to allow us to enjoy this vacation. And so I'm like, awesome. Like, this is going to be a sweet weekend. And he said, but the enemy is going to try to attack this and he's going to try to get through, through your mother. Um, the enemy's going to try to attack your mom's peace. I said, okay, like, sweet. Well, I'll just, we'll say extra prayers and, and, and we'll be on top of it. Well, Saturday night I woke up and it was right at, right at 3 a.m. And <laughs> I, I'm like, I just, I just laugh. I'm like, classic, like good, good one. Um, yeah. And I wake up and I turn over my, well, we were sharing a, a room. I was in one bed, my mom and dad were in the other. And I look over and there was a dark, a dark demonic presence over my mother. And I woke up and I started, I'm just very calmly in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you and I command you to go to the foot of the cross right now. Um, you are not welcome here. This is a family claimed in the blood of Jesus. And this house is claimed in the blood of Jesus. And it left. And I woke up the next morning and, um, and I told my mom and I, I said, mom, is your peace being attacked? And she's like, so bad, so bad. And so we, we prayed and, and the Lord blessed our family that weekend. And it was so beautiful. Another dream that I, that I had, which he gave it. The enemy does himself a favor by not showing his face because if he showed his face, it just it gives it, it elevates our faith because if he's real, how much more is our Lord? You know what I mean? So like he knows not to show his face too much. Um, and what happened was I had this dream and and what in the dream, um, it was a demonic dream. I was being spiritually attacked in this dream, and this this woman was she was possessed. And I believe what the Lord, the Lord spoke a very clear message in this. And he was speaking this to me because I needed to learn a lesson. And we were praying over this girl and she was possessed. And every time that I would say the name of Jesus, she would get closer and closer to my face. And, and it was in a, it was in a very like manly voice. It was the, it was the devil. And he was spitting in my face. And what, what, what was really, really unique about this, about this. And he revealed a little too much here is Every time that this, this woman would lean forward, it would try to scare me back. But when I leaned in, she couldn't touch me. So there was, there was always a gap in between us that for the baptized person, for the baptized person that is, that is in a state of grace, that is steeped in the sacraments, that has a prayer life, the enemy can't touch you. And so I, I caught on, you know, like every, in this dream, I caught on and I would lean in towards him and he would have to go back. But what he likes to do is, is he likes to make us think that he can, that he has more power than he actually does. He has nothing. Everything that has been given to him has actually been given to him by our Lord. Um, <laughs> and so um, we, we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be afraid. And the other thing too, is that he is real. He is so real. And one of the things that gives him the most power is the fact that people dismiss him. And his greatest attribute is subtlety. There's a reason in Genesis one, it says, or Genesis two, 
whatever one it was. It was the first three chapters. I can't remember. Um, but it says that he was the most subtle in the garden. The snake was the most subtle in the garden. There's a reason for that um, is because he tries to be the most subtle. He tries to make himself not known. Um, and so we need to actually acknowledge this, this reality of the devil's real, because if we don't, he's going to slip in the back door. And so I think that's, yeah, that's my little tidbit on that. Can I add one point here? Think this through, you know, roughly it was said that a third of the angels went with Lucifer down. So a third of the angels went down with him at the fall. What we have to remember, and we have, we have to, this is so important, is that the devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, cannot create anything. He, he is not a creator. Our God is the only one that can create. So at that exact moment, now it's not said, but this is the truth, that God could have created another hundred million angels right then and there to replace him, right? But the devil's that went down with Lucifer are a finite number. So they're a fixed number. They don't reproduce, they don't reproduce. They don't, you know, grow in number. So they are, they are always a fixed number. And so he has to deal with these celestial beings that chose to be evil where God can create hundreds of million legions and legions and legions of more angels at any moment he wants to. So do you see how great the power of God is versus the power? Yes, he absolutely is a he's smart. He's a celestial being. Yes, he, he's incredible. However, compared to God, he's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap up our episode, I just ask for maybe our listeners who are listening to this episode who may feel like their faith isn't as strong as it should be or that they have fallen away from the church. Um, it might feel like they're too far gone in, in sin, you know, what are some things, what's an piece of advice or something that they can maybe do, um, to help them draw closer to God. That was, I think that was probably one of the biggest lies in my life, um, was that I was, I was too far gone. And, And once I commit a sin, I might as well just keep committing it because there's no going back his mercy. It's an ocean of mercy. Um, and there's not one sin that he will not forgive. And there, our father desires, I think this is it right here, is, is that our father desires you um, and he loves you and he wants, he wants to know you and he wants your heart. And, he, and he's desperately, desperately coming after you. And he's not ashamed to be your God. That he knew in the beginning of the beginning of the age, like he always was and always will be. And because he always was and always will be, and this is something that I, that I like to, that I like to remind, I remind myself of this when I, because I'm wretched, like I'm a wretched sinner. Like I'm a habitual sinner. No, I'm not committing mortal sin, but like we, we commit venial sins every day. And I have to remind myself, this is before all of the time he always was, he had perfect knowledge of you. He knew of your sinfulness. He knew of my wretchedness. He knew of my inadequacies. He knew that I would fall away. He knew that I would run away for six years. And in knowing all of that, it didn't, it did not prevent him from choosing me. Like every single person that is here, that is alive, that is being, that is existing, he chose you. And so he's not scandalized by your wretchedness. Like he's not scandalized by your sin. He, he loves you. Um, and 
and you know, we say that and just, it can sound so cliche sometimes like God loves you. Like, I don't think we understand truly what that statement means, that declaration, that proclamation means of God loves you. It means everything that he has, you have the inheritance that he has, he wants to share with you and more. And the way to come about this is how do I get closer to, to a friend? How do I get closer to Tim? Well, I have, I have interaction with him. I think sometimes we, we complicate it way too much. Um, our formulas can get in the way. Our processes can get in the way. All I would say to you, if, you are, if you're just looking to, to come back to the Father, one, he desperately desires you and he's waiting. He's, he's not, he, he, he is a gentleman, right? He's always going to propose and not impose. And so he's, he's waiting there with, with a proposal. He wants to propose to you again. And he desperately wants your heart again. And if you fall again the next day, it doesn't matter. The saints weren't saints because they were perfect. They were saints because they got up the quickest because they, they believed in the mercy of the father. And so I believe that, that there will be people. And I know for a fact, cause he's Holy Spirit's prompting right now that there will be people listening to this, that feel too far gone, that feel ashamed, that feel like these spiritual heights are only made for this, for the great saints, like Padre Pio, St. Faustina, St. Teresa. They're made for you. What did, what did, what did they have that you don't, right? And so what I encourage you to do is I want you to just go experience him, go encounter him, go like live. He wants you to live um, and he wants you to live life to the full. And all he asks is just to be invited into it. And he's not going to take away. He's just going to explode it like explosions of joy, of mercy, of peace, of freedom that you've never experienced before. So go, go meet him, go meet him in the sacrament. Like we have his physical body, blood, soul, and divinity right? Like it, it can be five minutes. It can be start out with five minutes, start out with three minutes. It doesn't matter, but go and just, and you don't have to do anything. Just go and sit um, and say, father, what is your heart for me? Like, father, what do you think of me? Father, what do you want me to do? And most of the time he's just going to say, love me. Just sit with me. I just want to be with you. You don't have to do anything. Just be with me. So that's what, that's my advice to the listeners. That's what, like, I can only give you what, what I've encountered and what I've experienced, um, in my encounter with the father. Um, and so that's what, that's what's worked for me. And so that's what I give to you. Yeah. Both of you ladies, I got a question for you before I answer. Did you not just feel the Holy spirit? When totally. he was talking? 100%. Yeah. Well, who do you think it was? Did, yeah. you, did you notice his voice drop an octave? He got slower. He got lower. Right. Mm -hmm. And who do you think that was? Mm -hmm. Who do you, who do you really believe was speaking to you? Was it Grace and Dahl, the human, or was it the Holy Spirit of God, the third part of the Trinity (laughs) speaking through a human being to you? Yeah. That's how he works. That's him. Guys, there is no one, no one out there that is so far gone. And believe me, I mean, I have worked with so many women that have had abortions, I mean, over and over and over again. In fact, I literally had one woman who had seven abortions, seven. And, and I worked and our Lord made me, asked me to walk through each of them so that she could be healed. Now, if he was a, just a just God and not a merciful God, he would not reach out to me and ask me to walk her through them so that she could receive healing. There's no way he would do that. I deal with people every day 
that priests send to me that are gay or homosexual or bisexual or confused or gender confused. I mean, I deal with them all. No one, no one is beyond reach. No one. That doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how far. Oh, you, you, you got to understand when you have a child, if you, if you're a parent, that child, you can be disappointed in that child. You can be upset with the child. You can be dis. I mean, but you will never hate the child. You will never not want to talk to the child. You will never stop loving the child, no matter what that child does. That's our father's love with us. And for the people listening, it's our father's love trying to reach you. It's so beautiful that he gives us that gift to experience as a human. You know, if you're blessed to have children, that love. How do you describe that to somebody, right? It's an, you can't. It's something that you have to experience yourself. And you he, just, will, he will never stop. He will never stop. When, Tori, when you just said, when people are so blessed to have children, I felt the weight of that. That was a prayer that word had so much weight to it. I was, I was hit from, I was hit here by it. Um, and so there is a, like, he is, he's so pleased with your heart and he sees that like you, you know, you, you know, that it's a blessing. And, and I think that's the authenticity, the rawness. And Tim was talking about plastic people versus fleshly people. Like, you know, and so I just, yeah, when you, when you said those who are so, because we know so many people who are not, who, who have not been given that gift. And I know that this, like, this is exactly part of your guys' story, but like when you said that word, I was just like hit with the weight of that word. And so I think people who have taken it for granted, like they need to feel and acknowledge the weight of that word, how blessed you are, how blessed you are to have these children, that these free gifts have been given to you to steward his little children. Um, so that was, that was so beautiful. Um, that was, that just struck my heart in a way and you really you think about this ladies you we as parents only have one job only one there's not we have lots of responsibilities but we have one true job and that job is to get that child back from whence he comes or she comes literally back to heaven that's your only job yes you got to teach him how to read and write and brush his teeth or, but the reality of it is the the real job that you get held accountable for is bringing them back, teaching them how to come back. That's it. That's the whole thing. Wow. Well, I'm just a sob mess right now. I think this is a perfect way to wrap up, but truly thank you guys so much for just coming on here and being open and sharing your stories. I know Mary and I both feel very blessed to have been able to experience God's healing through each of you. Um, so I know that there's something really exciting coming to Des Moines. Um, so for our listeners who are local, who might be in need of healing or want to experience that, or might know someone who might benefit from that, could you maybe just share a little bit about the healing service that is available now in Des Moines? Grayson. Yeah. Um, so this is something that, that Tim has been, Tim has been doing a lot of work for and to be like to push for but what it is is um we just got approved by the bishop in des moines to put on 
a monthly healing service downtown Des Moines at the cathedral at St. Ambrose cathedral. And it's going to be every, um, it's going to be every third Wednesday of the month. And so the first one is going to be obviously what's today. Today's Monday, the 16th. Yeah. It'll be tomorrow night at seven. Yes. Tomorrow night. is Yes. Oh my gosh. Crazy. <laughs> it's tomorrow. Yes. It's literally tomorrow. Um, and so we're, yeah, we're going to be putting on the first one tomorrow, the 17th. And, um, for it's for, for everybody and anybody, um, come, it, it doesn't matter if you want to come and just experience it. If you, if you need healing, come, if you, if you don't, I'm sure the Lord, the Lord's going to surprise you. Um, but it's, but it's open to everybody. Um, and this is just such a blessing. Um, and I believe that, uh, that the beauty, St. Paul, this is, this is one of the, the verses I think that this healing service is, is going to, um, accomplish. And I have my Bible right here. I'm going to, I'm going to read it to us real quick. Um, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God and lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to come, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in much weakness and much fear and trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Truly, 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 it is not going to be, there's faith is not going to be rested upon the shoulders of men, but, but truly you, he is the only one that is going to be able to give, be given credit. Um, and I believe that um, the beauty of our faith is going to be rediscovered in these nights. And so we would love to have you. We would love for you to come and just experience this. Um, like I said, every third Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. And you can come and go as you please. You don't have to stay for the whole thing. Um, and probably every Wednesday is going to look a little bit, a little bit different. Um, because it's going to be totally led by the spirit. St. Paul says those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Um, and so we're going to do exactly that. And we're not going to grieve him. We're just going to let him do what he does. And that is heal and deliver and set free. And it's really important to remember, even though it's at a Catholic cathedral, it is an ecumenical healing service. It is for all of his children. Literally, he's very specific. All of my children all faiths. That is why it is not a healing mass. And that is why there's not reconciliation. It is truly, truly a healing service with the divine doctor, the divine healer, center and stage. It'll be an exposition of him and, and he will do the healing. Beautiful. Well, we cannot wait to hear all of the blessings that come from these. We already have, um, so we mentioned it on our Instagram. We've already had people reach out, um, very excited to attend and um, thankful that you're doing this. So I know it will be amazing. Um, so we like to end our episodes in prayer. So I can go ahead and lead us um, in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we love you so deeply, and we thank you so much for the many gifts you have given each of us. Lord God, we thank you for such a beautiful conversation tonight. Um, we know that this will reach and touch many, and we thank you so much for that. We ask you, Lord, um, that the Holy Spirit would flood the bodies and souls of those seeking or needing your healing tonight. Please bring them hope. Please bring them peace as they long for your miraculous hand to heal them. We thank you for all of the healings 
blessings, all of the love you have spread on this earth through your sons, Tim and Grayson. And we thank you for allowing us to cross paths with them. You, God, are worthy of all our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a friendly review. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Sacrifice of Praise Podcast and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, know that we are praying for you. Bye. Bye.